Has the COVID-19 pandemic influenced ESG adoption in the financial industry? This is Road to New Reality Podcast, and I'm your host, Rachel Featherston. On today's episode, Christelle Wiekmans, Head of Asset Management at KPMG Luxembourg, speaks with Naeem Abu-Jouaudi, longtime ESG pioneer and CEO at Candrium. Listen as he discusses advocating for ESG investing since its inception and the key role it will play in a post-pandemic reality. Thanks, Rachel. And thank you, Naeem, for taking the time to share your views with our audience. COVID-19 has put a renewed spotlight on ESG. As we know, ESG has been a topic close to your heart, as well as with Candriams. Just last year, H&K Responsible Investment Brands Index recognized Candrium as one of the asset management brands most committed to ESG, also ranking second on ESG ranking by Broadreach. And you were named Best CEO in the Sustainable Investment Industry. How did it all begin, Nay? Uh, th- thank you, thank you, Christelle, for for this question, and good morning, everyone. To be honest, it wasn't always a quiet journey. Some years you were really on a bumpy road, ups and downs. As I was appointed CEO in 2007, we experienced strong growth until 2008. Afterwards, the financial crisis was really challenging. After that, we had the sale process of the company to New York Life in 2014. And since then, we are really in a better shape and we are one of the fastest growing asset managers in Europe. But one thing that has always been here for us and constant over these years was our focus on ESG and sustainability. For us at Candriam, it all started in 1996, 24 years ago. In the deepest silence, we launched two ESG strategies, but back then, I remember nobody wanted to hear about ESG. Actually, nobody wanted to even manage this fund, as it was perceived as a losing game. For two decades, we were struggling to see demand, but our conviction that responsible investment was the right way to go never faded. Actually, for us, it's 2008 where things start changing, and it was a real turning point. The financial crisis of 2008 revealed that so many inefficiencies in our system and acted as a wake-up call for the industry. It showed, in reality, the interdependence between societies, government, economies, and financial markets and has encouraged all players to think more long-term. We are very proud today of where we are, not because we were pioneers in this field, but because over the last 25 years, we continued our efforts constantly, even when we were not making a lot of money. The reality is we kept going in this direction as we have always believed that traditional financial analysis alone does not reflect all the risks and opportunities of an investment. And this is mainly for two reasons. Today, We have to know that more than 80% of company valuation is based on intangible assets such as patent, brand, reputation, and long-term value of companies cannot ignore major environmental and social challenges. Today, 
Candrian, by being consistent over the last 25 years and constantly investing in EIG, is positioned as one of the top three brands in Europe. And in fact, we are now managing over 50 billion in core EIG strategy, which is more than a third of our AUM. It really shows that a long-term vision pays off with time. Moreover, as a company, we don't want to be only recognized as a pioneer in EIG investing, but we want to be recognized as a responsible company at all levels, practicing what we preach and walking the walk and talking the talk. And this is what we are doing and we have been doing for years, applying to ourselves what we expect from the companies we invest in. For example, we have a strong corporate culture. Responsibility is part of our identity and our DNA. And by the way, Candriam stands for Conviction and Responsibility in Asset Management. We created the name in 2014. We have been developing a CSR strategy for more than 15 years toward all stakeholders, issuing every year our CSR report since 2005. We also created an institute for sustainable development dedicating up to 10% of all our EIG funds, taking 10% of the management fees to increase our social impact on society and develop research and education on EIG. To conclude on this question, I'm, I'm really very optimistic for the future of sustainable investing as we are seeing an acceleration of other players in this field, especially since the COP21 and since the establishment of the Sustainable Development Goals, and now even more with last year, the pandemic. The trend on EIG is global. This trend is here to stay. And it's not only a trend that we are seeing in Europe, it's a trend that we see in the US. It's accelerating and catching up with Europe. And we are seeing exactly the same trend in Japan and in some part of Asia as well. It's a remarkable long way to ESG nine. So you you spoke about you know acceleration, and really people are now saying that ESG adoption will accelerate in the finance industry post pandemic. Do you think that's true? And what are investors telling you they want? Maybe before I tell you about what investors are asking us, let me give you a little bit of context. The ESG market has now reached 45 trillion. This is a huge level. It was only 25 trillion four years ago. As I previously said, ESG is definitely a global and secular trend that was accelerated after 2008, 15, and last year with the pandemic. Investors are more engaged in the ESG discussion than ever before. It's clearly a buzzing topic. The ESG market is still driven at 75% by institutional investors with pension funds leading the way. And this is a global trend today. We see it in Europe, in the US, and in Japan. However, the retail segment is catching up fast as individuals are becoming more and more educated on sustainable finance. We are seeing a clear convergence of the needs and requests from both the institutional and the wealth segments. They are mainly asking us two things, a solid client servicing and to behave responsibly as an investor and as a company. They are on the first level, they are much more demanding in terms of reporting and transparency. 
they notably expect us to give them maximum information on what generates performance, either financial or extra financial factors, but also precise information on how their investment creates impact. For instance, better carbon footprint, better social indicators. They are also requiring their asset managers to behave responsibly and embrace ESG at all levels, not only as an investor, as I said before, but also as a company. Our clients want us to be active managers, engaging with corporates on the topic that matter most to them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I, I believe that the purpose of uh, you know um, corporate is to really to make an impact at KPMG. Also, we we want to make an impact. Now, uh, Christelle, if we take a closer look at investment strategies, because we spoke yeah. about what are investors telling us today, in terms of we spoke about their request, it's. Yeah. Solid client servicing, behaving responsibly. But in terms of investment strategies, we are clearly seeing a strong demand for ESG products across all asset classes, even on products such as emerging market, ESG emerging market or ESG high yield. A second trend we are seeing is the growing interest for ESG thematic products. Thematic investing provides investors access to powerful value-creating trends or teams which concern them individually, such as healthcare, aging, population, circular economy, demographic trends. Morningstar data shows that AUM into thematic fund over the last three years have grown threefold from 75 billion to 195 billion. At Candrian, we have launched several thematic funds over the last three years And it is working really well. For example, we have launched an oncology product, a biotech, a climate action fund. And in the case of the climate action fund, 10% of our management fees goes to charities and NGO actively working on the fight against climate change. And the third trend that we see today, it is impact investing. It consists of investment made with the intention to generate positive, measurable social and environmental impact alongside a financial return. In fact, the new generation of investors, the millennials, are really pushing in that direction as they want to invest with purpose. They want to express their values in their investment and have a real impact on the economy. At Candriam, what we did is we launched our first impact fund called Impact One in order to meet client demand in the impact side. Very good. Uh, let's talk and let's touch about re regulation. As you know, ESG regulation for asset managers is accelerating in Europe. Have you found tightening regulation helpful in raising standards? Or are they sometimes too prescriptive for companies such as Candriam who are seeking to be ESG leaders? In my opinion, the main challenges and opportunity I see to accelerate ESG adoption are twofold. A better standardization, this is achieved mainly through regulation, a better reporting 
in other words, a common EAG language. Now, this question is about regulation, on which Europe is clearly leading the way. Following the Paris Agreement in 2015, the European Commission launched an action plan on sustainable finance aimed at channeling capital towards sustainable growth. This great plan covers several initiatives, of which the taxonomy, the NFRD, Non-Financial Reporting Directive, and the SFDR, Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, that are going to be key for corporates and investors. The first requirement is to define what a sustainable company is. This is precisely the objective of the EU taxonomy of sustainable activities. Taxonomy, in fact, it's just another word for classification of company activities. At the same time, investors need companies to provide them with comprehensive and reliable information about their ESG performance. This is what we call NFRD. And finally, all asset managers will have some minimum disclosure requirements on ESG risk and opportunities at the corporate level and at the funds level. As you can see, there is some logic linking these regulations. Once investors have a definition of sustainable company activities and the data from these companies, they should be able to integrate it to create a current sustainable investment product. Now, while Europe's regulatory drive on ESG is going in the right direction, it doesn't come without some challenges. First, it's going to require a lot of work from companies and asset managers to gather all the data. Second, the timing is not ideal as asset manager, we have to comply by March this year for the SFDR, whereas for companies, it's not until 2022. And lastly, the taxonomy is really focused on environmental issues. While climate has been dominating the ESG discussion for the last few years, it is crucial that we bring social considerations at the same level. Yeah, that's true that we see effectively a lot of companies very busy for the moment to work on this regulation. There are a lot of uh, still uh, uncertainties uh, to be clarified, but fully sharing your views on, on this uh, regulation line. So now on the reporting standards, you know, a key complaint that I hear regularly is that the data supplied by companies is incomplete at best. How much uh, of a problem is it and what needs to happen to improve the situation? No, you are, you are completely right, Christelle. As I just said, regulation is key, but it won't be enough if we don't have an harmonization of the reporting. There is a need for a common reporting framework, a common language between corporates, investors, and regulatory bodies. Because as of today, there are more than 360 different ESG accounting reporting standards. 360. And companies are simply droning on their data. The good news is that things are moving in the right direction. A few initiatives are emerging and could help reporting to converge pretty quickly. 
Let me give you some of the, uh, these initiatives. An interesting one is the recent announcement by SASB, GRI, and TCFD that they were working to harmonize their standard on ESG disclosure. A second one is that the big four accounting firms with the World Economic Forum have launched a set of recommendations that are, to a large extent, based on SASB, GRI, and TCFD, and the objective is to come with an internationally accepted standard. As I just mentioned, the EU is doing a great job as well in creating a comprehensive standard, NFRD, SFDR, from company disclosure to how investors integrate them and even where they can find the information. And lastly, the last standardization initiative I would like to point out, which is in my opinion the most interesting one, it's the IFRS, because the IFRS wants to build up a SASB GRI TCFD and create a new Sustainability Standard Board, SSB, to develop a global reporting framework. And it is really a breakthrough, as this would clearly accelerate global systematic integration by companies, while also fitting in the financial framework that the IFRS developed. To conclude on this important point and question, I believe that is absolutely crucial that we have a global conversion, both in terms of regulation and reporting and across all regions. This is the only way we will accelerate the ESG adoption and the ESG trend. But for all the reasons we have already discussed, I'm very optimistic that things are going in the right direction. It's indeed a huge task to do, but a necessary task, as you said. So in the financial reporting, we have the, the gap as a common language. And that's true that uh, in ESG, we also need to build this, uh, you know, uh, global uh, ESG uh, framework. With the COVID crisis, there has been a shift of focus to the S of ESG, the social aspect how to achieve positive environmental outcome while avoiding social disruption? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for this question. I think it is a key topic and not, not an easy answer. But I would like to start first that the year 2020 has been absolutely dramatic in many aspects. With so many people impacted by the crisis, we are going through unique and unprecedented times. In a year like this, it's very di difficult, almost impossible to think about any positive. But if I have to pick one silver lining from this crisis, from an investor standpoint, I would take the fact that all these events have brought the S element on ESG to the forefront at the top of the agenda. The reality is the threat of climate change has dominated the agenda for ESG so far. However, the pandemic has highlighted the importance of social issues. The pandemic has proved that the social element should be considered just as critical as environmental and government factors. This topic is not new for us at Candriam or to our clients. We have been integrating materiality aspect on the S social in our ESG analysis for a long time. We have always seen the social and environmental issues as deeply interlinked. For me, environmental challenges act as a multiplier effect for social disruptions. We believe 
that we must address both together in order to have a positive impact on the long term. As we accelerate towards climate action, it is crucial that we avoid negative social impact. It's crucial to avoid social disruptions. We have an urgency to act against climate change, but at the same time, it is our duty and priority to ensure the transition protects workers and community. As we shift towards a greener economy, millions of jobs will become obsolete, while others will be in high demand. Let me give you an example. Moving towards a 100% renewable energy system by 2050 could create 52 million full-time jobs, but also cause the loss of 27 million jobs within the traditional energy sector. But how do you achieve positive environmental impact while avoiding negative social implications? The answer for me lies in two words, just transition. This concept was included as part of the 2015 Paris Agreement. And in fact, to achieve this just and fair transition, we need to analyze the labor market impact of the transition to a net zero economy in terms of green jobs created, but also high carbon jobs that are lost. And for that, we need reskilling, more education, training opportunities, and we need finally a huge and large investments. This is why finance in general and investors in particular have a big role to play because they are the ones who can and who must channel assets to the real economy. As it is really a big challenge, as I said before, it can, it can only be a collective effort and a shared responsibility. Yeah, it's very inspiring. Thank you for these very inspiring views on making goods, not just for the environment, but making good for the people. And I think you give really concrete example of that. And as you said, the, the task is huge. Now, what's your view on the European Green Deal and the recently approved budget dedicated to climate and energy transition? The European Green Deal is Europe's plan to make the EU economy sustainable. It aims to turn climate and environmental challenges into opportunities and make the transition just and inclusive for all. The European Green Deal provides an action plan to boost the efficient use of resources by moving to a clean, circular economy, restore biodiversity and cut pollution. The EU also aims to be climate neutral in 2050, which is a great news. They proposed a European climate law to turn this political commitment into a legal obligation. Reaching this target will require action by all sectors of the economy, including investing in environmental-friendly technologies, supporting industry to innovate, decarbonizing the energy sector, ensuring buildings are more energy efficient and working with international partners to improve global environmental standards. The EU will also provide financial support and technical assistance to help those that are most affected by the move towards the green economy. And this is called the just transition mechanism that I just covered before. In my opinion, this is a great and ambitious plan 
Now we have to see how it's going to be implemented. The EU needs to organize itself on how it is going to manage both the Green Deal and the COVID recovery plan. It's not an easy task when you have a multitude of stakeholders with different interests. It is also essential to keep in mind that around 80% of the EU budget is managed by member states. Therefore, the realization of EU targets is very much dependent on the member states finding the right project. To conclude, I think this plan is really remarkable, but it's not enough. It's not enough because we have huge challenges ahead. And first, I think what we have to do, we should extend beyond Europe, because today Europe produces less than 10% of CO2 emissions. And this project about a green deal, we have to do it at the global level. It has to include China, the US and Europe and the rest of the world. Second, because there is an urgency to act and we are today the last generation that can do something about it. It has to be a collective effort, not only from the governments, but also from corporates, cities, people at all levels, and of course, investors. We all have a role to play to rethink our society and turn this recovery into a real opportunity to move towards a green but growing and inclusive economy. Thank you, Naim. To wrap up, what are the key things the asset management industry can do to contribute to a more sustainable and inclusive society? In my opinion, there are a few things that the asset management industry can do to contribute to a better and more inclusive society. It's about active engagement. It is helping channeling assets from the financial sector to the real economy, allocations of assets, education, bridging the gap in education, and behaving responsibly as a company. First, as active investor, it is a big part of our job to engage with corporates. In order to act long-term, an investor needs to be active, exercise its voting right, and file shareholders' resolutions, engaging with companies we invest in on the topics that are most material. All this can create a strong and positive impact. Involvement and partnership with industry associations such as TCFD, the Workforce Disclosure Initiative, the PRI, or academic bodies also demonstrates great commitment for asset managers. The second thing that asset manager can and must do, as I previously said, is to channel assets to the real economy in a responsible way. This means investing in projects and companies that are driving the transition to a green and inclusive economy. This will unlock a huge opportunity to create new jobs and build back a better society. Third, even though the ESG trend is growing fast, there is still a big knowledge gap and it's our duty as investors to continue to educate clients, but also all the stakeholders of the finance industry on responsible investment topics. In order to help bridge that gap, Candream has decided a few years ago to launch the Candream Academy. It is the first free-to-access e-learning platform on EIG, and today we, we have more than 6,000 members from 30 countries. Then we are very happy to contribute in, in that field. And finally, as I said before, as a company, we must practice what we preach, act responsibly, and apply to ourselves what we expect from the companies we invest in. 
Thank you very much, Naim, for sharing your inspiring and insightful views with our listener. Thank you, Christelle. It was great to be here. Thank you for your invitation. Mm-hmm.